Amen. I am ready for Jesus to come back. Amen. Are you? Amen. You can clap to him today. Why don't you go ahead and have a seat? You know, this week, I've, uh, that song has just been in my spirit all week. I've been singing that song. I asked Danny to lead us in that song this week. And, uh, you know, as you know, it has been, it's been a rough week. It's been a rough week for our nation. It's been a rough couple months. Wouldn't you agree? Just with all that's been going on in the world, hurricane after hurricane after hurricane, earthquakes, shootings like this. I woke up um, Monday morning to the news. I don't know how you felt, but I just numb, just numb, heartbroken, grieved, grieved for our nation, grieved for those people, you know, and then it dawned on me, I've got to talk to my daughter on the way to school this morning about another tragic thing, you know. And I just remember just at that moment, I just remember just truly just took my glasses off, put my hands over my face, and I just said, Lord Jesus, I'm so ready for you to come back. I'm ready for him to split the sky open and come for his church, aren't you? Are you ready? You want to be ready. You always want to be ready for that. He told his church to be ready. We were just singing, we'll be a church ready for you. Wake up the, 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 the saint is one of the lyrics in that song that I love. Wake up my heart, God. Get me ready for you. Just remember, and I know some of you are struggling just like I was. What, what am I going to tell Trinity as I'm taking her to school that morning? I don't want her to find this out from someone. I want her to understand. And then I felt like God was saying to me, because at times like that, you know what you want to do? You want to just kind of withdraw. You want to just go into your little Christian bubble and just kind of withdraw. And then I felt like God was saying, I need you to be a man of courage. This is when the church is supposed to step up this is when the church, I need you to lead my church, this is when the church is supposed to stand up and the church is supposed to stand out, right? We, we, we step into these kinds of things. We don't retreat. We step into this. The scripture says that the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Amen, right? That's what scripture says. And so I talk to Trinity on the way in as I'm taking her to school. I tell her about this. But in my spirit, I'm just saying, Lord Jesus, come back. I'm so ready for that. I don't know what that was, but it's kind of scary. Um, I'm so ready for, ready for his return. And, and, and just like as Randy was talking about his roommate, who God in his sovereignty had there at that moment, right? No accidents, folks. Running in, I know Alan is a believer, running in and being the church at a most critical moment. He and his wife doing that. Jesus said, we've been in this series called Happiness Is, and we've been talking about what that looks like. And, and despite external you know, circumstances and despite what's happening in our world, how Jesus said, this is what you can have whenever you are in relationship with me. You're going to look like this. You're going to be poor in spirit. You're going to mourn sin in your life. You're going to mourn sin in this world and the brokenness. By the way, he says, they shall be comforted, right? He says, when you mourn that, that's what it's, he says, when, you, when you're, you're gentle and, and you're, you're a peacemaker and happy are those, 
And he says this, what he ends up saying is you are going to look different than the rest of the world. What he's going to say is you're going to look like a bright light that is shining in all of this darkness. And man, we are in a mess of darkness. Wouldn't you agree? This is when the church is supposed to stand out, unlike any other entity in our world. We're supposed to stand out, and Jesus would say something like this. You're going to look so different than your culture if you live out these beatitudes. Remember, beatitude means to be deeply blessed. Remember, the word blessed means to actually be happy inside. It doesn't mean that everything's going to be easy, but there's something that's different that's going on inside of you. And so in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says this. He says, you are the light of the world. You're the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. In other words, you're this bright light. Don't hide that. Be who you're meant to be. Don't retreat, is what he's saying. All right. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, he says, let your good deeds, let this outflow of the beatitudes that's happening in your life, let it shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. But to be light in the darkness, do you know what that, you know what that takes? Courage. It takes courage to be different, doesn't it? It takes courage to stand out. To not blend in and look like the rest of the world. It takes courage to, to respond differently whenever you go through different things. And Jesus doesn't water anything down because what he's going to say is this last beatitude as we wrap this series up is he's going to say this. When you, when, you, uh, when you mourn sin, when you're broken in spirit and, you, and when you're gentle with people and you look different and, you're, and, all, and remember he goes through all this, you're a peacemaker, you're merciful, all of these things, Jesus is not going to pull the bait and switch on the disciples nor on us. Here's what he's going to say. He's going to say, you're going to face opposition. He's going to straight up tell us that if you decide to follow Jesus and you decide to identify with me, because in all of those beatitudes, what he's saying is you're going to look like me. And when you look like me, the world is not going to love you. It is going to oppose you. The world will not appreciate it. The world is going to hate you, Jesus would say, because it first hated me. If you're living out the Beatitudes, you're going to look like the Father and you're going to face resistance from darkness. Evil will come against you. You don't need to be fearful because here's the thing. And this is the other thing I felt like the Lord said to me this morning. It's not like there's this battle that's going on that's teetering on the edge of who wins. Jesus Christ has already won. Amen, right? He's defeated sin. He's defeated death. And he said, I'm coming back in his perfect sovereign time. He's coming for the church. And in the meantime, what he said was, church, wake up, be ready. Be ready. Do not slumber in this time. Our world is dark and it ne I need you to be my representative until I return. And that's what he says. So here's what he says. When you live these beatitudes out, here's the last one. Matthew 5.10, God blesses. He blesses those who are persecuted for doing right. For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. 
You're a kingdom citizen, is what he says. God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you. Look, because you are my, what does he say, church? You're my followers. You're actually looking like me. You're not blending in with the rest of the world. There's something different about you. He says this, be happy about it. What? You're telling me that I should have a happiness in my heart whenever the world mocks me and rejects me? And, and, and because I fall, he says, be happy about it. Be very glad. Now, here's the reason, because here's what he's saying is, there's a great reward that awaits you. I, I don't miss anything is what God is say, saying. I see everything that's going on in your life. I see every insult you endure on my name's sake. I see everything you lose because you follow me. The way that it costs you to follow Jesus. He says, I see it all. And I reward that faithfulness. Remember the ancient prophets, he said, were persecuted in the same way. When you're a true follower of Jesus, I just want to tell you this. It's not going to be easy. It's not an easy road to hoe. It's not like this just easy highway that you go down that so often is proclaimed in these days. You need to understand that when you follow Jesus, you will, and you look like Jesus, you will face opposition. I'm just telling you what the Bible tells you today, okay? I'm not telling, we don't have to be fearful of that. We just need to understand it, all right? And I started thinking this week, you think about every author in the New Testament, not only just Old Testament people that he said testify about the fact that when you look like God, you speak truth in love, you speak the truth, you're going to face opposition, okay? You go through every New Testament author, and you know what you're going to find? Every one of them suffered for the gospel. Every one of them. And he was getting them ready. He didn't, he didn't sell them a bill of goods. And then all of a sudden it turned out to be completely different. He said, you're going to look like me. And guess what? The world's not going to like it. And so what happened? Paul was beheaded. Peter was crucified upside down. James was thrown from the pinnacle of the temple. Uh, and, and, and when he was thrown down, his legs were broken. And, and, and it says this, that, and, and, and it's told that they came and told him to recant on his faith. And he still would not recant. And so they beat him to death with clubs. Bartholomew was flayed with whips. John was boiled with hot tar and exiled on Patmos. It wasn't easy, was it, to follow Jesus. Thomas was stabbed with a spear. Andrew was crucified on an X-shaped cross in Greece. And after he was being severely whipped by seven soldiers, they tied his body to a cross with cords to prolong his agony. His followers reported this, that when he was led toward the cross, he saluted the cross and in these words said, I have long desired and expected this happy hour. The cross has been consecrated by the body of Christ hanging on it. They did not back down, did they? They were filled with courage. They were awakened, right? They were alive. They were a church that was filled with life. They were vibrant. They were not lethargic and lukewarm. They were on fire for Jesus. Stephen was the first martyr and they stoned him to death. And as he's being pelted with rocks, he looks up to heaven and he says, Father, do not hold this against them. Sounds like someone else, right? They do not know what they are doing. Father, forgive them. 
Of course, throughout the 2,000-year history of Christianity, there's been many who have been persecuted for following Jesus. And sadly, at times, people who called themselves Christian persecuted other Christians. It's a horrible time in, in our history called the Dark Ages. But did you know this, that in the last 100 years, in the last century, there have been more who have died for their faith in Jesus than in all the other 19 centuries combined? It's, it's, it's mind-boggling. But do you realize, you may not have known that. You know why? Because it's underreported. It's not talked about. It's not something that's discussed, right? And, and, and I came across this article. I don't have time to read the whole article, but I, I do want to read one portion of it here at the bottom. I read more of it last service, and the service went long, and I'm in trouble, okay? And, um, but here's what the last part, it says this. Christians are the most persecuted faith. This is, by the way, is a secular article, and this organization that reported this is not a Christian organization. Christians are the most persecuted faith group in the world. This is being cited by the Frankfurt-based International Society for Human Rights in a 2012 report, which estimates this, that 80% of all acts of religious discrimination were against Christians in the world here. The Center for the ACN Reports says this, that in the past two years, the number of countries in which Christians suffered extreme persecution was up from just six to now it's, it's, it's risen to ten now, right? And uh, the Center for Global uh, Christianity in the U.S. estimates that 100,000 Christians die for their faith every single year it's a great book that I read over the weekend called The Global War on Christians. If you want to learn more about what's happening in the world for your, to your brothers and sisters who, who love Jesus the way you love Jesus, and you want to hear about the price that they're paying around the world, The Global War on Christians by John Allen, a respected journalist who reports all of these things. You see, we're numb to this. We've just kind of gotten used to it. We don't, we, we don't really, many of us are uninformed. We don't know what's happening in the world. And it's estimated that 70 million have been martyred throughout the 2,000 year, uh, years of Christianity. And half of those, 35 million, in the last 100 years. 35 million. 100 million believers. Think of this at this very moment, live in hostile regions where they daily face persecution, where they daily face arrests, tortures, uh, uh, torture, uh, interrogation, and even death for being followers of Christ and doing what you are doing at this very moment. 1.3 million Christians were in Iraq at the first uh, uh, Gulf War when that happened. Now there are less than 100,000 in Iraq today because of persecution and because many have had to flee and many have just been butchered and slaughtered for following Jesus. It's believed that there are probably 70,000 believers, Christians, in North Korea who are in labor camps, horrific labor camps where they are being starved to death. For following Jesus. North Korea, by the way, is number one on the world's list of persecution of believers. 2015 was reported as the worst year for Christian persecution at any other time in modern history. The deadliest year for Christianity worldwide throughout history. 2,400 churches last year were attacked, damaged, or destroyed. Attacked, damaged, or destroyed last year. 
And it just keeps happening day after day after day, and we never hear about it. It's, it's, it's never reported. So what are we supposed to do about our persecuted brothers and sisters in Christ? What do we do about that? Number one, here's what I want to just bring some awareness to you. Number one, Scripture says, do not forget them. Don't ever forget this. Remember them. Scripture would even say in Hebrews 13.3, remember those in prison as if you were there yourself. Look at this. Here it is again. Remember also those being mistreated as if you felt their pain in your own bodies. So as your pastors, we want to bring awareness to you. Read a book like this. Be aware in your, in your uh, worship guide today, we put an insert in there for you to kind of know what's going on in different places within the world. And here is the biggest thing that they've asked us to do. Those who are persecuted, the number one thing that they ask for is they ask for us not to forget them and they ask us to pray. They ask for prayer. They want us to pray for them. This is, is, is in Syria. This is the very place where Saul was going to persecute Christians before he had an encounter with Jesus. Watch this video. I have no heart at all. Can, can you imagine these, these rooms? I feel very sorry for what, what has happened. Really. How long will this go on for here? I don't know. God alone knows. God alone knows. We have something more important than anything else that makes us stay in the country. Well, that something is the life-giving message from the Lord. And we are kind of ambassadors of the Lord. We know that many countries that withdrew their ambassadors, which is bad enough. But if heaven withdrew its ambassador from the country, it's a disaster. Our privilege is not that we are able to leave. Our privilege is that we are able to stay for such a time in the country. It's very obvious that the Lord is doing something uh, amazing. Many people are coming to the Lord and uh, many people say, we, we thank God, although we, we lost everything, but we still, uh, we, we want our souls or we want Christ in our lives. And the Lord is working and actually the church have a vision that this is the time for the church. This is the day for the church. There is a lady in Homs area who insisted to stay during this difficult time. She goes from home to home and check on children because she's a Sunday school teacher. And she tries to keep the children busy with Bible verses. She memorizes those Bible verses with them on the phone. And then she goes and visits with them. And they would say it by heart to her. She's risking her life literally every day just to check on those families and see what they need, give them some support, uh, buy them meat and bread and stuff like that. She is a true soldier of Christ during this difficult time. Who dares to go to homes these days? I mean, it's very risky, very, very dangerous. Yet, she is doing this on daily basis. 
you can be part of this battle in praying on your knees against those powers of darkness and against the bloodshed and the evil that is spreading in our country. And we never lose hope. We know that on the road to Damascus, the Lord Jesus Christ changed a terrorist called Saul into Paul. And we still have this faith because Jesus is the same. He is still the sovereign Lord who can change the hardest hearts and convert the vilest sinners and make them saints. Wow, he said, we don't consider it a privilege to leave as the church. We consider it a privilege to, what did he say? Stay and be the light. We need to pray for them, don't we? I want to just lead us into a time of prayer right now. So I'm just going to lead you through a guided prayer. He said, this is the time for the church. Let's just, let's just bow our hearts before the Lord at this moment. And first, maybe we just start by just thanking and not taking for granted the fact that we are still free here in America to worship as we choose. Don't ever take that for granted. Just begin by thanking God that he has allowed you to be a part of this incredible country. That people have lost their lives and paid with their lives for our freedom. And now let's begin to pray for strength for those believers who are in those hostile places all over the world. Pray for comfort for those who have lost loved ones and who face daily persecution for their faith. Pray for encouragement of those Christians who have had family members who have been killed for living out their faith. Pray for the protection over many pastors and teachers of the word who often are taken away from those places of worship by police and are thrown in prison. Pray for the persecutors, those people in authority and those hostile nations. Pray that, that that they would come to know Christ just like Saul, who was the greatest persecutor of the church in the early days, on the road to Damascus. And God shows us that there is no one beyond an encounter with Jesus. Pray for those encounters with Christ. Pray for the the delivery of Bibles, God's word into those restricted countries where it's against the law to have access to this scripture the way that you have and I have today. Pray for those radio broadcasts and television broadcasts that can't be stopped. And I know that they are reaching people. When I was in Vietnam, I met a church planter in the hill country came to faith in Christ because he heard about Jesus on the radio. 
government couldn't regulate it. Now he's planting churches there. Pray for the persecuted that they will boldly witness for Jesus even to their persecutors and have courage. Church, I just feel like I need to ask that we pray that God awakens our heart and awakens our faith. If you've been slumbering in your faith, ask God to wake you up and give you the same boldness that many of our believing brothers and sisters have all over the world. That we would be the light that we're called to be in darkness. Father, we thank you for placing us at this time in this world for such a time as this. Would you give us courage to be the men and women you've called us to be? Thank you, Jesus, for modeling for us what it looked like to face persecution and for preparing us so would you continue to teach us from your word in these remaining moments that we have together. In Jesus' name, amen. So what about you? What does it look like for you to follow Jesus here in America? I mean, let's be honest. We don't face what most of the world is going through who say they follow Jesus. Wouldn't you agree? We don't face physical threat. We don't face that yet. <laughs> and I'm not, I'm not saying that that's coming anytime soon. I don't know. I just know this. I know that Scripture says that we need to be prepared. What you may face is this. And you need to understand that being a Christian is not for weaklings. It's not for wimps. It's not wimpianity, Okay? When you decide that you are going to follow Jesus, what Jesus would say is that you are going to, you're going to experience disapproval. You may, instead of physical assault, you may experience mental anguish for following Christ. You may experience peer pressure or ridicule or harassment or opposition. In fact, Paul, while he was in prison for the gospel, and he was about to be beheaded, Paul said this in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, Paul said, yes, and everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, say the next part with me out loud, what does he say? Will suffer persecution. If you look like Jesus, he's saying, and you want to be godly like Jesus and look like and stand for what is true and good and right, you need to understand this. You don't need to be fearful of this. You just need to understand this. Evil will oppose you. It will come against you. In fact, it doesn't mess around with those that aren't really living for Christ. It doesn't really waste its time. With you, But if you're going to stand up and look like Jesus, you need to understand that you may face, you will face some persecution. Now it's clear again, we're not being persecuted the way that many believers are throughout the world, but you may never face this, but you need to understand also that our culture, and I know you sense this too, our culture is shifting, is it not? 
The culture is shifting in certain ways where, where, again, you may not face physical threat, but now Christianity has now kind of been pushed where at one time in our country, maybe it was more kind of the mainstream. Now it's kind of been marginalized or it's being more and more marginalized. It's being pushed to the edges. And you and I are facing, facing maybe a little more emotional and mental anguish uh, as, a, as a form of persecution. Because if you stand up for what is right and you actually stand up for what is biblical and live that out, you very likely will be labeled. You'll be called, in some circles, hateful. You'll be called bigoted. You'll be called intolerant. Your business might get boycotted. You, you might lose your job. You, you might get sued. You're probably, again, not going to be physically beat up, but you might get beat up a little bit on social media these days. You may be called certain kinds of names or called culturally backwards or uneducated, and, and this is not near the depths of the persecution, again, that our brothers and sisters are facing around the world, but here is what you will be faced with as a follower of Jesus living out those beatitudes. You will be faced with the pressure to conform to look like the world. Paul would say in Romans chapter 12, he would say, do not conform any longer to the what? Patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, all right? And, and so you face this whenever you're at work. Those of you who go to school, you face it to kind of blend in at school and to not, to not look like Jesus at school or, or to not speak about your faith or, or whatever. And I remember this. I remember whenever I first placed my faith in Jesus and I decided to go from being just religious to actually come into a relationship with Jesus. Um, at that time, I was on, across the street over at Boswell High School and I was running with the, uh, the circle of, we'll, we'll just say they were the, they were the party crowd. They were the in crowd. They were the cool kids, okay? And I was doing those things. And I, I was going to church, but I did not look any different uh, as, as someone that at, at certain times would even say I, I knew about Jesus and kind of went to church and did that, went through the motions. But during the rest of the time, I was as much like the world as anybody else. In fact, in some ways, worse. And so my mouth was filthy, I mean, I could lay down those bombs that you know what I'm talking about with the best of them. I'm just saying, all right? And, uh, and I could go to church on Sunday. And then God got a hold of my heart in the summer of my, uh, between my sophomore and my junior year. He began kind of cultivating my heart as a freshman and kind of beginning to convict me. And there was a, I, I came to faith in Christ at about that time and, and asked Jesus to be my savior. And I went from being religious to being in a relationship with him. And then I heard a speaker. He was, a, he was an incredible speaker at a youth camp I went to. And he started challenging those of us who were believers to actually start standing up for our faith and to stop being ashamed of being a Christian. And in fact, he said something that I felt like, man, at the time it kind of crossed the line, but it was really what I needed to hear. He said, stop being a coward. Stand up for who you are. And I was like, okay, all right. So I went into football, uh, going into football, and I was one of the leaders on our team. And, uh, and I remember at one specific moment, and I started taking my Bible with me to school. There wasn't, a, there wasn't version app. I mean, I took my Bible with me to school. And this was radical because you need to understand, before that, I was, I was, I was just looking as much like the world as anybody else. 
And so people kind of started noticing. And we're in a huddle. Uh, there was a little dead time in practice for a few moments. I'm the captain of our, of our varsity defense and captain of our team. And then I'm standing in the huddle. I'm getting ready to call a play, but we're waiting there for a few minutes. And all of a sudden, one of my friends, one of my buddies that I was friends with, big old boy, about 6'4", 285, got a full ride scholarship to the University of Alabama. He could play, all right? Let's just say he's, he was quite a large human being, all right? He's a friend of mine, still a friend of mine. And he said to me that day, he said, what is wrong with you? I said, what do you mean? And he said this in front of everybody. He said, what's wrong with you? I said, what are you talking about? He said, there's something different about you. And I went, oh boy, here we go. And this is in front of all of the rest of my team right here. There's something different about you. He said, I have not heard you curse one time this whole football season. And I said, well, he said, what's, 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 it, what's with you? I said, well, this summer... <laughs> I decided I was going to start following Jesus. I wish I could tell you at that moment that the entire team fell down on their knees and said, Preach Jesus to us, Bart. That did not happen. But I was not physically intimidated. I, I, I was a leader on the team, and, and they were kind of scared of me a little bit, okay? And... and at that point, though, my friend said this to me. He said, it won't last. It won't last. And he said, I'm going to make it my mission to cause you to stumble this year. Whoa. And I said, all right, let's run this play. Break, okay? And... Uh, it was a heavy moment, and it was a defining moment in my faith because it would have been really easy at that point to say... I don't know, and just to begin to go with the flow again. But I felt convicted to start standing up and to start being who Christ made me to be. And, 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 and listen, I see this friend of mine from time to time around, and I, I love pointing him to the new church building that we have right across the street from, from, the, from the place where he said it was his mission to cause me to stumble. And I, and I just... I just say, I guess it lasted. You know, I, I want to say that, but he's a very, again, a very large human being and, um, and scary. And, uh, but you know, that wouldn't be very Christ-like. But the thing is, is it's a testimony today because he did see that it was real. And you know what happened in faith was many of my friends, I didn't face physical assault or anything like that, but many of the friends that I was running with at that point, and I didn't condemn them, I didn't judge them, I was still working my faith out on my own, but you know what started happening was they didn't want to be around me anymore. And so the persecution that I kind of endured at that moment was called loneliness. I stopped getting the invitations to go to things. I started showing up anyway. <laughs> and I didn't judge when I was there, but I felt called to be light in darkness and to love my friends and to help them when they were in trouble and things like that. And you know what started happening? Again, they didn't fall down on their knees and say, preach Jesus to me, but there was a tide that began to turn with them and they began to actually say, you know what, this is real in you. 
my senior year, they started realizing this is the real deal. There's something that really has happened. Some of my friends did come to faith in Christ. I didn't have any friends after that, so I had to win people to Jesus to have friends, okay? Just saying. But, but, but respect started happening. They started realizing, and they, they, many of them said, I don't agree with what you say you believe. I don't even, I don't agree with that. I'm still kind of figuring that out. But you know what? I respect you because you stayed true to this. And that was something that started happening. You face pressure to conform all the time at work. You face, you face pressure to, to do the unethical thing whenever your boss is pressuring you to do something that's wrong, Right? When you're in school, you face pressure to go along with the rest of the crowd and to conform and to look like everyone else, right? You face that same kind of pressure on a daily basis. And Jesus said, when I feel that pressure, I need to remember some things. Let me give you some things quickly. Number one, you got to understand and remember that resistance to your faith actually makes you more like Jesus, it makes you, it can make you more like Christ. Jesus would say this as he faced opposition and as he was preparing his disciples for what he knew they would go through. He said in John 15, if the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. The world would love you as one of its own if you belong to it, but you are no longer a part of the world. I chose you to come out of the world. What he's saying is I made you to be different, to not look like the rest of the world, to not blend in. And, and because of that, look at what it says. So it hates you. It hates you. Do you remember what I told you? A slave is not greater than the master. Since they persecuted me, naturally they will persecute you. And if they had listened to me, they would listen to you. They will do all of this to you because of me. Jesus was getting them ready. He said, for they have rejected the one who sent me. If we're going to grow up in our faith, we've got to understand that the more you look like Jesus, the more you're going to go through things that Jesus went through. Let me ask you something. Did Jesus face loneliness? Yes. Did Jesus face rejection? We know the answer to that. Yes. Did Jesus face opposition and ridicule? Did Jesus face persecution? Yes. Christianity is not for wimps. This is why you need to be grounded in your faith as you, your Christianity will often come under pressure to conform. Uh, it will come under assault from the evil one. And listen, this is why you need a good church family because you need encouragement. You need support. You need to be around believers that can encourage you as you go back out in your world. By the way, I know of a good one if you're looking for one, okay? And... Uh, Jesus was called the light of the world, and evil, by the way, hates light. John 3.19 says this, Jesus was speaking, and he said, God's light, that is me, Jesus said, I'm the light of the world, came into the world, but people love the darkness more than the light, for their actions were evil. All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for fear their sins will be exposed." You know what I started thinking about when my friends kind of at that moment, whenever light came into my life and I started being the light, the reason they were not comfortable being around me was because there was something different in me. And it's like when you, if you've been in a dark room for a really long time, and then all of a sudden someone turns the bright light on, 
it's not very comfortable, is it? Your eyes take a moment to adjust. It may even hurt in some ways. And so for those who have been in the darkness, when light comes around them, it's uncomfortable. It exposes things. Some of them started feeling under conviction in their life. And maybe that's the case for some of you. And and so we learn a couple of things from this passage of Scripture. We learn this, that even if you were perfect, which we are not, even if you were perfect, people still wouldn't like you. Because Jesus was perfect and many still hated him. The other thing we learn from this verse is that resistance and opposition means this. It means when you're looking like Jesus, it means that you're doing something right. It's an affirmation when people notice, what's going on with you? You don't handle things the way that others handle this. You're different. You don't talk like others talk. You're, what's, what's happening with you? Maybe you face opposition in that. And so look, First Peter even says, if you are insulted in chapter 4, if you are insulted because you bear the name of Christ, you will be blessed. There it is again. You will be blessed for the glorious Spirit of God rests upon you. That means that the Holy Spirit lives within you. You're blessed. There's an affirmation when you're insulted for your faith. There's an affirmation that there's something different about you. People are taking notice about you. If nobody has ever criticized you or noticed that there's something different about you and your faith, here's the question, what does that say about your faith? You see what I'm saying? Does anyone notice, not because you're obnoxious about it, but just because you're different? Just because you don't go along with what happens. Or have you become really good at being what's called a chameleon Christian? Where you just blend in with the culture. You don't ever, you don't ever stand out in any kind of way. You're not countercultural. You just roll with whatever the room temperature is. What does it look like for you? And how does that, how does that look like in your own life? Here's another thing. The second thing to remember if you're being opposed if you're facing pressure, is resistance is actually what God is going to use to strengthen you. It's how your faith will grow. Your faith grows like muscles grow by facing resistance. They stretch, they grow, not by sitting in a chair and not doing anything, right? When they're broken down, when they're properly fed, when they're challenged, that's when muscles grow, and it's the same way with your faith. It's without a doubt that the places where the church is most alive in our world today and where it is most unstoppable, it can't be stopped in places like China right now. You know, it's projected that there will be more believers in China, uh, I believe, by 2050 than there are even Amer- American uh, believers The church is growing so rapidly there. And in those places where the church has to go underground, where the church faces regular opposition, where they are greatly being tested day in and day out, it's in those places that the church is often the strongest and most vibrant. My friend Terry Coy has written an incredible book called Return to the Margins. And his premise is this, is that what has happened in America in the last 100 years here in America, now not in other places in the world, but in America is that the church has become very mainstream, okay? And in becoming mainstream means that we have for many, many years not faced a lot of opposition. In fact, others have faced opposition, 
But now that the church is being pushed more and more to the margins, the church in many places is coming alive in certain parts of the world. I believe that there's a next great awakening that is going to happen in churches in America as well because our faith is being tested. You're going to have to really decide whether or not you want to follow Jesus or not. Instead of just it being the thing to do, look what Peter says in chapter 1, verse 6. So be truly glad there is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is, what does it say next? Genuine. That it's not just, it's not a fake. It's authentic. It's being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. So the heat's being turned up on many of us because of our faith. Through your faith, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold, so when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on that day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. So there's another testimony of the fact that we're rewarded for our faithfulness when we are tested like this. Number three, resistance endured is rewarded by God. Matthew 5.11, what did Jesus say in this beatitude? God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you. So they're going to do those kinds of things. Because of me, he says, God blesses you because of this. When they say all sorts of evil things against you, when they call you all kinds of, of names and say things that aren't even true, look at what he says. When they do these things because you are my followers, then he says something shocking. Be happy about it. Why? Because it's affirming that there's something different about you. Be happy and also because you're going to be rewarded. A great reward awaits you in, in, in heaven. Notice he says, God blesses you for staying faithful when this does happen to you because you're a follower of Jesus. He doesn't say just because you're persecuted, uh, you know, for maybe a political belief or you're persecuted for this. It's not persecution for any reason. The blessing comes with persecution for looking like Jesus. For following Jesus. Notice you don't get rewarded for being rude or obnoxious. There are religious people who will look down on other people, right? And are rude and, who, and are ugly to people that don't know the Lord. And when we're like that and the world pushes back and that happens, God does not reward the self-righteous, pompous ones. When you live, though, a, a, that self-righteous and rude kind of life and you look down on others and, and you get persecuted, you're not a martyr, you're just a jerk, okay? And what he's saying is when you actually look how Jesus, how he was with people who were sinners and how he was kind to people, he didn't water truth down, but he was kind. And, and he didn't expect people to act like Christians before they were Christians. Are you with me there? He gave them room to understand who he was. And then he would say, now go and sin no more. But he wasn't rude to them. In fact, he often stood up for them. Though you may face some rejection now for looking like Jesus, 
you will be rewarded in eternity. So when I face resistance to my faith, I need to, I need to remember these things. But let me just very quickly give you what you should do. How do you respond? I heard of a house church in Beijing, China, this underground church where the pastor begins every service asking the same question. He asks a packed out house church where it is against the law to follow Christ. This is the question he asks. What are your wounds for Christ this week? What has following Jesus cost you this week? That's a heck of a way to start a service, isn't it? Can you imagine if we asked that every week? Or have you just been on cruise control? Or are you living your faith out? You see, when I face resistance to my faith, let me just quickly give these to you. Number one, I shouldn't be surprised. Jesus said you will face opposition. Don't be surprised. You're going to be persecuted. When you live out the Beatitudes, you're going to look like Jesus, and you're going to face, you're going to face resistance. Peter was talking to a group of Christians who were being persecuted by the Roman Empire at that time, and he says, 1 Peter 4, Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you are going through as if something strange were happening to you. Some of the Roman emperors would take Christians and they would tar them and light them on fire in their gardens when they had parties. And he's saying, don't be afraid at the fiery trials. Don't be surprised. I also respond by not being afraid. I don't live in fear. I don't cower in fear of being rejected or fear of opposition. I don't fear disapproval. When we come to the place of realizing how much our God loves us and how much he has accepted us, right? Some of the rejection from others isn't so bad because God has accepted you and perfect love cast out all fear. And instead of us living with a fear of what man thinks of us, Instead of that, we live for an audience of one. Am I pleasing God? So I don't want to be afraid. We live for him. Peter goes on and he says in chapter 3, Now, who will want to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you suffer for doing what is right, God will reward you for it. Look at what he says. So don't worry or be afraid of their threats. Instead, worship. Don't worry. You have a choice when you face pressure to either worry about it or to worship God. To worship in your life. Don't worry, but instead worship Christ as the Lord of your life. And, and notice, here's what he's going to say when you do that. And if someone asks you about your hope as a believer, what's different about you? Always be ready to explain it. But look at what he says. But do this in a, and these words are key. What does it say? Gentle, not obnoxious, not judgmental, not condemning. With gentleness and with respect, keep your conscience clear. Then if people speak against you, they will be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. Live your faith out so others notice there's something different about you. So I don't want to be surprised. I don't need to be afraid. And here's the next thing. I don't need to be ashamed. 
Don't be ashamed ever of living your faith out or standing up for your faith no matter what the cost. First Peter 4, he goes on and says, it is no shame to suffer for being a Christian. Don't be ashamed. Paul would say, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God, right? I'm not ashamed. Praise God for the privilege of being called by his name. Don't be ashamed. Praise God for the privilege of bearing the name of Jesus Christ. Write this down because this right here can change your life. It's had a profound impact in mine. I don't need others' approval to be happy. I'm serious. If you'll get that, it can change your life. I don't need others' approval. This can radically change everything. So instead of focusing on what others think about you and what they say about you, rather get some perspective and understand this, that your life is about pleasing God. Fourth thing, I respond by recognizing the source of the resistance. You see, we're often prone to think that it's other people or to peg a group of people or whatever, but we need to realize that there is a sinister force behind persecution and his name is Satan. And he hates God and he hates you and, he, and his job is to be your accuser, to seek to destroy. That's his job description, to instill fear, to try to cause you pain, to seek to distract you, to, to, to lure you into lethargy in your faith. And Paul would say, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in heavenly places. So when you realize this, it actually helps us in the way that we see people who might be opposing us. And so we, here, here's a practical verse. Here's what he says. Uh, Paul says to Timothy, I, I, again, I say, don't get involved in foolish and ignorant arguments that only start fights. And what I would say today is that would be on Facebook and next door and everywhere else, right? What he's saying is have humility. Have humility. And then he says, a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone. He must be able to teach. He must be patient with difficult people. That's those that oppose us. Even those who persecute. Gently instruct those, there's that word again, gently, who oppose the truth. Gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Now watch, perhaps God will change those people's hearts. You see, it's not your job. It's His. You just bring the truth in love and in gentleness and with humility, and you entrust them to God. They will, then they will come to their senses. And now watch this. Escape from the devil's trap, for they have been held captive by Him to do whatever He wants. So instead of seeing people as the enemy, you got to realize that many of them are ensnared because they don't know Christ yet. Do you see that? So we have gentleness with people who oppose us. Think of Jesus while he's on the cross. Father, forgive them. What did he say? They don't know what they're doing. Stephen, beaten with rocks. Father, Forgive them. Don't hold it to their account. They don't 
know what they're doing. And so here's what we do next. We refuse to retaliate. They called Jesus every name in the book. They lied about him. They said he was a drunkard, a glutton, that he had a demon. They even called him evil. 1 Peter 2.23, he did not retaliate when he was insulted, nor threaten revenge. You know, when he was on the cross, he could have just said, you know what? I'm tired of this. Angels have at him. But he didn't. He didn't retaliate when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God who judges us fairly. He tells us, don't pay back evil with more evil. Trust God to take care of it. Let God be your defender. By the way, he's better at it than we are. But you know what? That takes faith. When you react, what you're doing is you're giving control to that person. And so refuse to retaliate. And here's the last thing. Now, this is the one. I'll be honest with you. I don't like it. We respond with a blessing. And this verse, if I'm being honest with you, gets on my nerves. And I can't do this without Christ being in my life. But instead of cursing back, what? Are you kidding me? Bless. We return good for evil. Uh, it's one thing to refuse to retaliate, but now he's taking it to another level. He's saying, do good to those who do wrong to you. He's kicking it up a notch. And so here is this verse that annoys me. Luke 6, 27. But to you who are willing to listen, I say, love your enemies. And when he said this, their jaws dropped. Because up until that point, they'd been hearing, love your neighbor. Now he says, love your enemies. What? Do good to those who hate you. Are you kidding me, Jesus? Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. And if someone slaps you on the cheek, offer the other cheek also. I don't like that part. In fact, here's what I wish it said. You grab them by their fat little face and slap them back. That's what I wish it said. Are you guys with me on that? If they stick it to you, you stick it to them, right? But this is what makes Christianity different than everything else. By the way, that would be the BHV, the Bart Howell version. It's radical, isn't it? When you live your faith out, it is so radically different and the world notices we don't have to be afraid when we live for Jesus because he walks with us even when you face pressure. So here's the last question I want to ask you today. If it were to become illegal to be a believer in America, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Or would you just look like the rest of the world? That's a tough question, isn't it? Are you different? Let's go to the Lord in prayer because when you're different, Jesus said you'll face pressure, but you're not alone. How can you take a stand for Jesus this week? 
Again, when I was a teenager, I started just taking my Bible to school. Maybe, maybe you take yours to work with you and put it on your desk. Maybe you, maybe you read it some at lunch. Maybe it's just bowing your head and praying over your food when you go out at a restaurant. And then actually being nice to those who are your servers. Maybe it's just having a conversation with someone about Jesus and not being obnoxious and maybe you actually serve them in some kind of way. Don't ever be ashamed of following Jesus. I am not ashamed of the gospel, Paul said. If you're feeling resistance, maybe today you just need to ask God to give you more strength. If you've never faced any resistance, maybe you need to say, am I, am I standing out for Christ? What God is looking for is men and women of courage. Do you have a courageous faith? He promises to never leave you and never forsake you. Father, this has been a hard message. It's not an easy message to preach. But it's your word and we need to hear it. Would you bring conviction to us where we need conviction? Would you bring encouragement where we need encouragement? We want to be light for you, Jesus, in our community and in the world. And it's in your name that I pray. Amen. I want to just invite you to stand with me as we close our service. I want you to be reminded that you don't walk alone as you walk with Jesus. Happy are the persecuted. Yours is the kingdom of heaven.